You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 266, Boys, Men, and Emotional Intimacy with Rhonda Farr. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. Welcome to the podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you it's not too late to join my five-day virtual book club. Even if you haven't read the Less Drama, More Mama book yet, join us to explore the transformative concepts in the book that have helped me and my clients create calmer, more connected family lives. Each day, we're going to discuss one to two chapters or truths in the book. And by the end of our five days together, you'll not only have a deeper understanding of the book's teachings, but also practical strategies to apply in your daily life. You'll also have a unique opportunity to ask questions and receive coaching directly from me on anything you struggle with as a mom. The link to register is in today's show notes at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash 266. And please invite your fellow mom friends to join us. The more, the merrier. Today is only day two. And when you sign up, you'll get access to the replays for a limited time. Also, the doors to the next round of my group coaching program, Damn Good Mama, open this Friday, September 15th. We start on October 3rd. And spots are limited. So I highly recommend you join as soon as possible and maybe join with a friend and go through the program together. When you join, you'll become eligible to attend the first retreat I'm hosting for any and all damn good mamas in 2024. When I asked my current group what their dream come true for the group would be, they all said they wanted to meet in person and have a relaxing and transformative retreat experience. So I said, let's do it. And this next group will have the opportunity to join in that as well. So come to the book club and learn all about the foundation of what I teach. And then on Friday, I'm going to answer any questions you have about joining Damn Good Mama. Today, I'm excited to have my friend Rhonda Farr back on the podcast. Rhonda is a certified life coach who specializes in connecting men and women through the practice of emotional intelligence and emotional intimacy. She teaches high-achieving men how to become aware of emotions and communicate with vulnerability so they can enjoy more intimacy with the people they love. Rhonda is a woman in a man's world. She has four sons, was raised with only brothers, and now operates a full-time coaching practice with the most amazing men who are ready to stop chasing external validation and start creating the life that truly makes them happy. In this super informative and fun episode, we talk about boys, men, emotional intimacy, and more. Please enjoy my interview with certified life coach, Rhonda Farr. All right. Welcome back to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, Rhonda. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, me too. It's exciting. You were last on the podcast in episode 90. And we were talking about creating your own mama mastermind because you're one of my life coach besties. And uh, we were having a mastermind for quite a while there. Uh, And now we're on, well, when we're recording this, I just released episode 253 
So it's been a while. Holy smokes. That's a long time ago. That was a fun mastermind. We don't have to talk about that, but we could just talk about the importance of having people who are in similar phases and how valuable that is. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. So nice. And I'm sure yeah. parents and men and everybody, they can relate to that too, having their besties. Yeah. But I think one of somebody reached out to me and said that after listening to that podcast, she did start her own sort of mama mastermind. So that's super cool. Um, yeah, that is. Oh, and in that, in that episode, you, I think you had just started working with men and you kind of announced it to the rest of our group on that podcast. So tell us, tell us what you do, first of all, who you are, what you do, and how did you get to do what you do? Okay. So I didn't realize it was that long ago that I decided to work with men. So that's good to know. That's good to remember. Um, so I am Rhonda Farr. I work with men who are super great in certain areas of their lives. We want to give them all the credit. They're usually very high achievers. They're very driven so they can accomplish most things. However, they struggle often with emotional connection in personal relationships, usually their romantic relationships. So what they do is they subconsciously try to use the same skill set that allows them to thrive in their careers and in the workplace. They subconsciously try to use that in their marriage. And as we know, wives don't usually like to be solved. They don't usually like to be looked at with the constant critical eye or with a lot of, you know, judgment and have somebody swooping in trying to fix them and tell them what they should be doing better. So. I work with men like that. I love them. They're amazing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So when they come to you, what is it usually that they want to work on? What is it that they say, you know, are their goals? That's a good question. So as you might guess, and I feel like this is going to feed into a stereotype that's not my favorite, but I'm going to say it anyway. When they come to me, it's often like physical intimacy that they feel like is waning in the relationship. So here's how a first consult with Rhonda Farr often goes. Hey, Rhonda, I'm struggling. Like I'm doing everything. I just don't feel appreciated. Like I don't feel desired or wanted. And they'll tell me those things, right? And I've made my own improvements and she's still not changing. Like it'll go like that. Here's what I say. All right, listen, I cannot change your wife. If I could, I would be the most popular life coach in all the land. So first of all, I can't change her. And second of all, I don't actually think this is about sex. And they're like, wait, 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 what? And I'm like, nope, I don't think it is. And I'll say to them, if you want to work with me under the premise that this probably is about something else that we will uncover together, then we will. But if you don't believe me and you're not willing to trust me on that right now, I might not be the person for you. Mm -hmm. So that's how it goes up front. Okay, so now you have to tell us if it's not about the sex, what is it about? (laughs) it's usually about emotional connection, right? Okay. So let me, let me paint you a little picture of like a pyramid. Here's Mm -hmm. what I say, like the very peak that's usually sticking out. Maybe we'll call this an iceberg, right? It's sticking out um, above the surface level of the water is like the physical intimacy, right? And often that we're generalizing here, this is not going to be for everybody who's listening, but my people. Then beneath the surface a little bit more is like that emotional connection with your partner, sometimes just with your kids. Sometimes it's with, you know, a parent or a sibling, but usually with your partner, right? Emotional connection. And then if we go a little bit deeper beyond that emotional connection with your partner, what we'll find is your self-intimacy. 
And that is your relationship to self, that emotional tolerance that you have with yourself. So that's what it's usually about. It's way under in there beneath the surface. And that's what I work with my clients on. How to know themselves better, how to have a more intimate relationship with their conditioning, their patterns, their past, their background, right? And when they know that, then they can choose to share and tolerate how it feels to let their partner share their self-intimacy, right? And then it becomes relational and emotional intimacy shared between the two. And that often then gets to be a foundation for that beautiful physical relationship, which often is just a byproduct of everything else beneath it. So there are like medical issues, like physiological things, or certainly if there's abuse or something like, yeah, we want to address those and just nip those right away. Right. But often the physical relationship is just a symptom of everything else going on beneath the surface. So do you also work with the women or with couples or do you just work with the men? Usually just the men. I have a couple of wives who have just stumbled upon my podcast and were like, oh my gosh, you know, my husband, tell me how to relate with this. And so I do have a couple couples. So two couples, and mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't take a lot of clients, but two couples and a couple women, but mostly men. Mm-hmm. And how do they find you through your podcast? Usually through my podcast. It's called the Intimacy Podcast for the Million Dollar Man. (laughs) You do not have to make a million dollars to work with me. That is just usually what catches their attention because that's where their brain is, like focusing on earning external validation, achieving. They're really good at that. So that just means that I'm calling them. I'm calling them. They know who they are. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so let's talk more about this concept of self-intimacy. It sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, Like what's men's reaction? Do you use those words? Do you say self-intimacy and what's their reaction to hearing that? I mean, because again, it's very stereotypical, but like, it doesn't seem like men are really ones to want to talk deeply about emotional stuff, right? So tell us what's your experience with that? Yeah, no, I think you're a hundred percent right. And I agree which is exactly why we have to work on self-intimacy first, because most men are taught that that's not what we do. And we can talk just a little bit more about that in just a moment, but I want to answer your question. What's their reaction? Yeah. I don't often use the word self-intimacy like on an initial call, but if they're listening to my podcast, they've got a pretty good idea. And most of my clients do come from the podcast. So they're a little bit warmed up. But if I'm walking down the street and I say something about self-intimacy, like they might think it's something to do with like self-pleasure, you do what I'm saying, like physical pleasure, or just like, okay, woo-woo hippie, like that's not for me, right? Um, Most men are like, just think it's like fluff, Pollyanna, like woo-woo, right? Mm -hmm. But to go back to what we were talking about just a moment ago, the reason is, and you and I, Pam, I think we're in this generation too, but I think the boys of our childhood probably got it even more than us. You think about the conditioning and let's talk about the men just for a moment. Like don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Mm -hmm. Or I don't care what you think, just do what you're told. Yeah. Right? Like this is how it's done. Buck up. Mm -hmm. You've just got to be brave. Just like push through it. And you think about like, 
even at school or wherever, like you think about how the boys treated each other, right? Like I'm tough and I'm macho. And like, you imagine like the high school football jock or something coming into class, crying about something that happened at home the night before. Like, can you imagine what would have happened? Most of the men, especially in our generation, I do think it's changing a little bit for the upcoming generation. And it's some of the shows that our kids are being exposed to are certainly a lot more emotionally oriented and, and we're gaining a little bit more literacy around emotions in that way. But we're taught that emotions are not okay. Yeah, I mean, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking, because I worked in the school for so long and I can, I'm thinking of this one boy who he cried a lot and he was made fun of, I mean, all the time because of his willingness to cry and emote. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's still, it's still ingrained in us. Yeah. So when we say, Hey, why don't you come into this coaching container and let me help you feel all of that? They're like, okay, crazy. That's the opposite of what I want to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But once they get an idea of what it actually means and how that can translate to deep intimacy that they're craving and they get a taste of that, mm-hmm. then their willingness becomes a lot greater. So do you deal then with men who have like unresolved trauma that they have to work through? And do you deal with that? That's a great question. So that is not my specialty. And if somebody comes in with capital T unresolved trauma, I'm probably going, probably going to refer them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's not my space. Well, what I like to say, the way I like to explain what I deal with a lot is conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is what we are conditioned to do as a man. Like even you and I, Pam, like if, you know, we're having a little bit of a hard day, but we're out and we see a friend and they're like, kind of in a hurry and they're like, Oh, Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? And we keep on walking. Right. Like it's, we don't even have a conscious thought to tell the truth. Right. Like we don't, it doesn't even enter our brain. I don't think we're trying to not be honest or transparent. I just don't even think it enters our mind because we are trained that that is how we were conditioned to respond to niceties. Right. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for these men too. Sometimes I think they actually want to emote, to use emotion as a verb, right? I think they want to, but they're scared to death and they have no idea how. And they and they're conditioned to just shut it down so quickly. They don't even know for themselves to be able to share it with their partner or whoever. So that mm-hmm. is a lot of the work I do. Self-intimacy is learning what my conditioning was. So I can stop being subject to it without my permission and without my awareness. And then it's creating some language around that conditioning and the emotions that come as a result. And then choosing if I want to share that with my partner and me helping give them tools to have conversations around emotions. So that's it in a nutshell. Okay. So can you share any like client success stories or tell us about a before and after kind of situation? Yeah. So let me think of a few. Let me see. What's a good one? Well, okay. So I have a client who had struggled for years and I'm going to bring up a word that you and I have talked about off camera differentiation. Mm -hmm. I think this is part of my client success story and we can dive into what that means in a moment. But he had heard these words from podcasts and other people like differentiation basically means taking accountability and responsibility for the way you feel and not blaming it on the other person. Like he had heard that before and He had heard like, okay, intimacy means me being able to tolerate my emotions enough 
to be honest and then also tolerate my emotions enough to let her be honest. Like he'd heard all those things and he wanted to do them, but he really didn't know how. So here's how his life was going. It's like, okay, I'm going to work really hard and she's going to have a conversation with me and I'm going to work really hard and not get mad at her or not try to critique her or like not try to force her to see it my way. And so he would do that for a day and then he would be expecting her to be like all cuddly, like <laughs> mind you, 20 years have gone by of this one way of doing it. And then he would try it this way. And then she didn't swoop in right away and saddle up beside him and kiss all over him, right? And he was a little confused. But then he would find some endurance and and do it a little longer, maybe a week, maybe even two weeks. And maybe she would come in closer, but the moment he would snap and go back to his old ways, which also is normal, she would go out, right? And so what we started doing was really helping him understand why he wanted to be emotionally literate for himself. Mm-hmm. And really the relationship that he has that he will be with the longest and can never get away with is himself. Like he never can get a break from being with him, right? Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of my men, when they learn like, oh, I'm not just doing this in a transactional way, meaning I will do this so she will do that. When yeah. we can get away from that, then they start to flourish. So I had this one client, he had worked for years on this. He knew all the language, like he could define all the terms, all the things. And I got this, um, this message from him on Boxer. He had been away. They were traveling like in Spain and, you know, having this couple's trip. And he's like, every time we have a couple's trip, it kind of goes like in the toilet anyway. Mm-hmm. But he messaged me from Spain and he said, Hey, I just want you to know this is incredible. Like she brought up some things that were really hard. And he's like, I was able to take a deep breath, understand my conditioning, right? Understand why I was feeling so uncomfortable in my body. I was able to call that out. And then I was able to say to her, you know what? Hearing this is hard and I'm feeling a little uncomfortable in my body, but I love you and I want to be here with you. And I want you to tell me more, but I just want to share this is my perspective of this. And then he talked about how she responded, right? Like he'd been craving this physical intimacy, beautiful, but then he created emotional intimacy, which by the way, did turn into some physical intimacy for them, which had been lacking for a long time too. But there, I could tell you several stories like that. Another client of mine, like he, he just wants his house a certain way and he wants his kids a certain way because it feels so vulnerable for them to be an extension of him and him to not really have control over him. And he's doing it with his kids too. Like he'll mm-hmm. literally do the same steps with my, that I said with my other client. And then he'll go into his kids and say, Hey, you know what? It's hard for me sometimes as a dad to want to be the protector of you and to want to make sure you are a good contributing member of society and me to um, enforce rules, but to also be connected to you on a different level. It's hard for me. And I just want you to know, I'm sorry if I haven't done that well and I'm working on it. My my like, I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'm, I got the chills. Cause I'm just imagining. I, I can't even imagine, but I, I was trying to imagine if my dad had ever, ever said something like that to me, like, right? wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And they think um, they have to fix something, but do you notice in both of these stories, all they did was got to know themselves, got clear about, they wanted to, how they wanted to create their relationships. And then they just shared what they were working on and their felt experience, right? Nothing was fixed. Nothing had to be greatly, um, you know, cut out or redone or anything. It was just honest vulnerability there. Yeah. Really cool. So 
I mean, what's your approach in helping guys tackle these issues around vulnerability and masculinity, you know, and shame? I'm sure shame probably comes up a lot in your work. Um, Yeah, shame is a huge one. Yeah. So how do you help guys through that? Okay. So I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I feel like it needs to be said again. First and foremost, well, a lot of guys get shame about their shame, right? (laughs) Or shame their fear, right? Like, I can't dare tell anybody how I'm feeling. And so then like we feel embarrassed about the embarrassment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so weird, kind of layers. But what happens is when we understand our conditioning, then we can let go of that harsh judgment of ourselves and have some self-compassion. So it really works hand in hand. For example, I have a client who was kind of berated in one of his, like, I don't know if it's high school, middle school, teenager, young teenager age kind of berated in front of the whole class about like a math problem on the board that he didn't know how to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so just like shut down, locked down. And I think he was dealing with like some dyslexia and things too, which they hadn't quite figured out. So just so much shame about that, right? And so now when he goes into these, he's very successful, um, he's smart, but he's had to figure out some ways to adapt. So now when he goes into these situations where he's in front of a group or when he's teaching something, Like it locks him down, but here he is the successful man that people are looking up to and he's trembling inside. And that's where we feel the fear, Mm -hmm. but then we have shame because everybody's looking to me. So we have shame about the fear, right? uh, Yeah. So what we can do with a client like this is say, like, it makes sense. Your primal brain is remembering the shame, the embarrassment, the pain of that moment. It's stored in your amygdala where we keep emotional memories doesn't mean you're a little wussy wimp. It doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It means you have a human brain, full stop all day long. And so now when you go out to present to your team or whoever it is, if you can feel that fear, take a deep breath and say, oh, I have an amygdala. It's Mm -hmm. reminding me of that social conditioning that I picked up along the way at that time. And just acknowledge it. I'm not in front of the math class anymore. It makes sense why I feel like I am. My primal brain is trying to avoid me ever feeling that kind of shame and embarrassment ever again. And it's afraid because we're in front of a group that that might happen again. Mm -hmm. We just stop with the judgment, stop with the layering. We just take a deep breath and understand why it's there first. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, Pan, we want to go on and fix things. My clients, if I had a nickel for every time they say, okay, but how do we fix that now? Okay, but how do we do that? Because after I tell them what's happening, they're like, okay, let's make that stop. Yeah. 99.9% of this whole process is awareness of why it's happening and self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Like if we can get to those two pieces, I mean, the rest is great. Yeah, <laughs> really. totally. Yeah, so good. I love this stuff. What do you think your role as a woman plays in the coaching of men? Like, I I guess I'm curious to know what you think the advantages and disadvantages are of that. Oh, that's a great question, actually. So I have all sons and I have all brothers and I really have been immersed in the men's world. I want to, I want to be gentle about how I say this. I know a lot of men get a bad rap in today's society, especially successful men, right? And, And rightfully so, like some of the things they say or some of the ways they think can be kind of off putting. Like I will, tell you the truth of that all day long, which is also why I do this work because I want to kindly point that out to them because I think when we can show them in a loving way, then it raises the connection for all of us. 
We don't have to ostracize them and, and talk about how much we hate them. We can raise the EQ for all of us and bring more connection. So I really am just passionate about helping this group, number one, because mm-hmm. I just have all the men. But I think one of the major advantages for me is I don't compete with their ego. I just don't. And, mm-hmm. and when they see me across the screen from them, and I've been very specific to ask, I don't. like. When there's another man, another male who they think is successful, who might also be judging them or, you know, have his own set of conditioning that's going to compete here. I just don't have it. And I don't, I don't want to have it. I don't try to have it. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice for them to be able to open up without them thinking I'm competing in any way. Yeah, that's great. Disadvantage. I'll give you the other side. If I'm being a hundred percent fair, I think. Part of the disadvantage for me is I wasn't conditioned like they are. So I don't know exactly how that feels. I can't say, oh yeah, I've been a man in that specific situation and I feel it too. But at the same time, I'm going to also say it's a double-edged sword because I also think it's advantage. I don't buy into their stories that it has to be that way. Mm -hmm. Like if I had felt it and I believed it like, oh yeah, that's awful. That's the worst. Then I wouldn't be able to help them either. Okay. This is an interesting question. I just thought of since you have four boys, right. Of your own, how have you raised them? Like, do you see them growing up with the same conditioning or how have you tried to decondition them or recondition them? I don't know what the right wording is. Um, so that they are more like emotionally, uh, literate and emotionally intelligent. That's a really good question. So I wish, I mean, we can't go back, but if I had known what I know now, my oldest is 20 years old and I didn't know. And I think I did perpetuate some of the conditioning, right? Like, "Ah, I just can't tolerate your mood right now. I didn't say it that way, but like, Mm -hmm. just away, (laughs) like go, if you're going to do that, then go someplace else because I can't tolerate. Um, So first of all, I didn't do the best job when I was starting out, but the way I'm trying to do it now is one of my favorite phrases and not just to my kids, but everybody is like, it's okay. Just feel what you feel. That is what I tell like my kids and everybody. And, and I'll give you a specific example of one of my kids. This happened recently. So it's just on my mind. We were out at the store, we were in public and, and I didn't really want to bring him along with me because it was the end of the day. I was so tired, but I hadn't seen him for a while. So I was probably letting my own emotion, like I kind of pushed him away and I had some guilt about that. And he was begging. I was like, okay, fine, come. And I was already tired. And he was wanting to dart all over the store. And I was tired. And then on the way out, he's like, I have my own money. I'm going to buy this soda that I want. And anyway, then he wanted to buy this like full caffeine soda at nine o'clock at night or something. And I was like, oh, sorry, <laughs> we're not going to buy that. So we made a compromise. And like, just like every piece of this trip had been an ordeal, like a compromise. And I was yeah. tired. So we get up to pay for it. And then he wanted me to pay for it because he didn't want to pay the sales tax. He just wanted to pay me back the exact amount. He didn't want to pay the sales tax. Uh-huh. How old is this one? He's 10. Okay. And it's kind of smart because sales tax is like 10% here in Tennessee. But anyway, um, I kind of lost it at this point. It was like one more point of contention. It felt like and he was fussing at me. I was like, ah. I don't even remember what I said, but it was not coming. It was, you know, in a tone, whatever. Mm-hmm. We get in the car. And then everything I teach everybody else started flooding my mind and body. And I just said to him, Hey buddy, I'm really sorry. That was about me. I'm exhausted. I apologize. Right. And then he started kind of like, 
well, this and that, right? Like then he felt permission to kind of say what he said. And I said, I understand why you feel that way. Um, you know, like, I want you to know that I love you. And this wasn't about you. And then he was so funny. He's like, I feel like you're just saying that. So you won't be mad at me or so I won't be mad at you. And I, this is the part that really broke him a little bit or broke up the, the emotion. I said, no, you can be mad at me as long as you want to, like, you can feel what you feel. I have no opinion about that. In fact, I can hold that as long as you need me to. This was mine. And that can be yours. And he just started sobbing. It was like the moment I gave him permission Mm -hmm. to feel his own feelings and and to know that I would be okay, no matter what. Yeah. He just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And then later that night, he did come in. He just laid on top. He's 10. So he's like, I'm short. So he's almost as tall as I am now. Like, and just laid on me and held me. And I could tell. It was a roller coaster, but after he got to have his own emotions, he was able to come back. And it almost was like it, he felt more connected to me mm-hmm. after yeah. that. Sure. There's a beautiful lesson in that, I think, for all relationships, not just parent-child. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. That's great. And I'm sure my, my listeners are going to really remember that one and hopefully, hopefully use it. Um, is there anything that you would like to tell my listeners being mostly women, but mostly moms, anything that you wish that they knew or understood or that you think, you know, would be helpful for them. Let me build off of that story with my son and me saying like, once he got permission to feel mm-hmm. right, I actually think intimacy is very different than just this hot, romantic, passionate thing. I, I give it this definition. Intimacy is just your ability to tolerate how you feel when you're being honest. And it's also your ability to tolerate what the other person is feeling when they're being honest, which is kind of what I did with my son in that moment, right? Like I had to tolerate my emotions and take full responsibility for it. And then when I let him know I would tolerate that, then he got to feel what he felt. And then we were able to come together. I would say for women, when we're talking about children and husbands, right? Can we develop that capacity to know our truth for ourselves, whether it's with our children or with our spouse or a significant other of whatever kind, like, can we tolerate having our own mind and our own opinion? Mm -hmm. And then can we tolerate them having their emotions? Yeah. Can we tolerate how it feels in our body when they're disappointed, when they're unhappy? Because that's where in the men that I work with, that's what I see a lot is this dynamic where men are like, I will be frustrated or disappointed if this doesn't happen. And then she can't tolerate him being frustrated or disappointed. So then she'll often go into pleasing or stonewalling one or the other. And both of those are the opposites. Uh, I don't know if the opposites, but neither of those are connection. So there's a lot of mutual tolerance when it comes to emotions and true intimacy, which doesn't sound sexy at all, but important. (laughs) Well, okay. Let me ask you this. How much time do you spend helping men know how to communicate their truth? Because I'm imagining that that plays a big role in how it's received and also how connection is formed. Okay. So that's where where that word differentiation comes in, Mm -hmm. right? When he wants to communicate his quote, truth, we want to do that place from a place of emotional regulation and being differentiated. So let me describe what that means a little bit more. It is just as emotionally immature 
to shut down and not speak to your partner as it is to verbally vomit all of your unregulated emotions on them. So I think this is probably what caught your radar here is if he's going to vomit on us and be like dysregulated, do I have to tolerate that? That's not what we're talking about here. So what we're talking about is I teach my clients to really hang on to their own emotions by number one, noticing the conditioning, what buttons are being pressed here? What is it that I'm feeling? Can I have some self-compassion and own my part in this? And then I have a very um, specific process where I ask my clients, like, what is it that they need for themselves? Am I needing to just feel valued? Am I needing to just find some self-love, some compassion for myself? And I want to help them get to a regulated space before they go and have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then when they go to that, have that conversation, then we can be very specific Here's the thing that my mind started racing about. And when my mind started racing about this, my whole body got tense and I felt it. And my urge was to make it your fault and to lash out at you. Or my urge was to just shut you out because I just felt like it wasn't worth it, right? That's my urge. But what I actually know is I was just feeling like kind of unimportant and that's not really your fault, but I'm being knowable now, right? Like it's not really your fault. You don't have to solve it. I just want you to know when I acted that way, you probably felt that for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the way I teach my clients to do it. Now, certainly your listeners are not all going to have spouses who right. know the process, right? Yeah. But, but I was just thinking about, I mean, even the example you gave with your son, you had calmed down enough to say, you know, apologize to him and say, you can be mad as long as you want. I'm okay. Um, rather than, you know, getting in the car and being like, Sorry, but you know, this is being defensive and saying, but, but you know, this is what's happening and, and making excuses and just casting more blame. Yeah. Differentiation is taking it back to you and figuring out what's happening for you first. Mm -hmm. That's Mm self-intimacy and then regulating ourselves. And then if we choose, we don't even always have to communicate this, but if we choose, then we can come and share that from an emotionally regulated place with our partner. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the difference. I always tell my clients, you know, we think that spewing everything on our mind sometimes is like, I'm, I used to think this, by the way, I'm such a better communicator than he is because my husband would kind of shut down. He would go into a stress response because his conditioning is to shut down. Right. And my conditioning was, you know, I was the smallest, the youngest of all boys. And I would get louder, like, see me, hear me. I'm important too. My voice matters. Right. And so my stress response, knee jerk reaction was to get louder. And when people get louder, he shuts down more. So do you see how we're just playing off of each? Oh yeah. Totally. we're, We're going back and forth there. So I used to think, oh, I'm so much more willing to communicate. I'm so much more mature because I will stay in the conversation. No, it was equally immature to vomit on him from a dysregulated place. Yeah. What do you think about always telling the truth or your truth and being honest? Like, when is it not appropriate to share your truth? When is it more appropriate to keep it to yourself, you know, and work on it yourself versus sharing with your partner? This is such a good question. I'm not evading the question. I just think there are layers of truth. Okay. Okay. So here's what I think. So let me, let me think of an example, maybe in my, 
family. So if I am with my partner and we are with maybe say their family members that they're more familiar with, like my truth might be like, I don't like those people. <laughs> like they're so <laughs> right? Well, I'm just being honest. That's my truth, right? Right, right. Yeah. So we could say that. And then we could get a little bit more honest with ourselves. Like, well, why don't I like those people? Why are they so annoying? And then we might go another layer into the truth, which might mean like, hey, when I'm with those people, I feel disrespected. It's really difficult for me to feel like I can be myself. And I just don't know how to handle their way of, you know, communicating or whatever. That's also true, right? Like that's the deeper level. Okay. And here's another layer of truth that most of us, 99.9% of the world will probably never get to, unless you work with me or Pam. (laughs) Uh, There's a third layer of truth here, I think, which is, hey, I've got some stuff in my past. And when they do that, my whole body has this emotional response. And if we're like aware enough, we might say, Like, I remember when I was in school and this happened to me and it's not the same thing happening again, but what we know is the amygdala, the primal brain is saying, Hey, this is relevant. (laughs) This is relevant to that thing that happened a long time ago. Get away from it. Don't like those people, avoid those people. Right. And so our whole body, like, have you ever done this? Like when you're around a certain person or something, your whole body's just like, like, (laughs) And we yeah. can blame it on the other person and not that they don't have any responsibility. They probably do. But also it's usually because it's triggering or bringing something up for us. That's a lot deeper. So yeah. truth, I, mean, mm-hmm. I just think it's all relative, right? Like I like to get really honest with some self-intimacy mm-hmm. <laughs> before I share like a, a truth that might be hard. So my answer would be like, if we think it's going to be difficult for somebody to hear, we want to be sure that we're pretty honest with ourselves first before yeah. we get honest with the other person. Yeah. I love that. I like that. How you describe the different layers. Well, you are a wealth of knowledge. You're so articulate. I love you so much and tell people how they can find you and learn more about you. Thank you, Pam. I love being talked to that way. <laughs> I love that. You can find me on Instagram at rondafar underscore coaching or rondafar.com is my website. But the best way to get to know me better is go find me on um, your favorite podcast platform. It's the Intimacy Podcast for the Million Dollar Man. You can find me there and you can hear some of my personal stories and some client stories there that are that are kind of fun. And are you on YouTube at all? I have a little bit on YouTube. I have a little bit there. Not a lot, but some. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just wondered. Perfect. So I will put all of your links in my show notes. And I hope you'll come back another time and talk some more. Yeah, sooner than later. That'd be great. Okay, awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye, Pam. Bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.